0: There is a new weapon in the fight against COVID-19. The Veloro company provides NASA-based active pure technology air purifiers that rapidly eliminate 99.9% of airborne SARS-CoV-2 viruses from your immediate environment. This amazing advanced technology filtering system was first developed for use by the NASA Space Shuttle Program And now to help meet the curable demand of the global pandemic crises, this amazing technology is made available at affordable pricing to the general public for your home or place of business use. For more information, contact U.S. Asia OT and Majestics LLC at 689-222-8900 or 312-200-0109 or email subject information at usasiaonlinetrade at gmail.com don't miss a single episode
1: of the out front with vince
0: noble podcast it's been ranked as top five percent globally recognized podcast the show that
1: gives emerging leaders entrepreneurs and technologists the information and inspiration to thrive and become their best on apple Podcasts, spotify or wherever you download or listen to
2: your podcast Welcome to this episode of the Outfront Podcast with host Vince Noble. For sponsorship and advertisement opportunities, please contact info at nobleresolutions.com. And now, your host, Vince Noble. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Outfront Podcast. I am your host, Vince Noble. Hey, as always, before we get started with these extraordinary conversations, I want to say as much as I love how intellectually stimulating they are they are meant to do far more than peak our intellect they are meant to inspire us and drive us into meaningful action so as you listen our guests are not solely on this show to promote themselves their services or products but in large part to provide significant insights and actionable steps to encourage you and engage you, thereby helping to shift you from one level to the next. So I encourage you to listen and think about how you may be positively impacted in some way, no matter who you are. It is my greatest hope that you find tremendous value in today's episode. Hey, I am super excited today. We have the distinct pleasure of having the author, Andrew Minot. He's come with us on the show today. We'll be talking about his new book, Prove Him Wrong, a powerful personal story of a young man who traveled from Jamaica to America believing he would land in the place where dreams come true and so much more. We certainly have a lot to unpack in this episode, so let's go.
1: Shouts out to Vince Noble. What up? That's the big homie. Help me stack when my pockets was flat. Now I got a grip on me. Information, motivation, inspiration. Make sure that you avoid elimination. Renovation of your finances. I done had more than five chances. Vince got more than five answers. A celebration, let's hire dancers. On this good game, you bet not bypass. Out front, out front, yep, that's the podcast.
2: Andrew welcome to the show today Thanks for having me I really appreciate it thank you Hey awesome sir listen it is certainly a pleasure To have you on the show with us today And so for for those who may not know you all that you do Tell us a little bit about yourself and what has brought you to the work you so passionately do today
1: I'm Andrew Minot Um, Basically I'm I started out in music um, as a promoter, actually as a producer, then a promoter, but the promotion I've done led me to a lot of different avenues in music. Um, Basically, pretty much with my cousin, Shula Minot, who actually advised me and talked to me and encouraged me to do what I I kept doing Mm -hmm. and led me to the point where I wanted to write a book for him. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get a book out for him and then unfortunately passed back in 2010. And basically my life went into a different, um, avenue per se. And then I started working with different artists and stuff and pretty much the opportunity came up about a book mm-hmm. and then I decided to do it. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Okay. So, so at what point you say things took a, took a, a different, approach for your different avenue, um, what was it that you first realized that, you know, this particular book that you would write? To be
1: perfectly honest, um, when I approached my cousin about writing his story Mm -hmm. back in 2009, and I had to be convincing him to do one because he didn't really want to do a book because he said, his, his love for music was what he did music for. Mm-hmm. Not to show people and everything else. But after him telling me all the things that he's done, like people may not know, but that group Musical Youth um, from England, those kids that passed the Duchy, yeah. he discovered them.
2: Oh, wow. He was okay.
1: the first reggae artist to ever tour Japan. Not even Bob Marley did it. He uh-huh. did it. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, he to he so many. There's so many hit songs that people know, like, that song, Ring the Alarm. That mm-hmm. artist, Tenor He discovered him, Reed That song, One Blood. He. There's tons of music, artists in reggae music that he discovered, but he never got his just due.
2: Right, right.
1: So when he passed away, I was basically, I was, I was devastated about not letting the world know what his story was supposed to have been. Yeah. And then two years ago, I met Mr. Angelo Elby, and we were talking about different stuff and unpacking like my life per se and then he just said why don't you write a book I said mm. no I, I can't I don't want to do that I'm, because I've always been a very private person always yes and for me to start talking about my life and going down this rabbit hole it, it was like no turning back. You know,
2: that mm-hmm. is like they say, once you're on the internet, you can't get off. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, Andrew, you know, I certainly, uh, you know, thank you for um, sharing a piece of your heart with us uh, in this book, this piece of work, a uh, magnificent, wonderful, wonderful piece of work here. Um, you know, one thing I always say is that, you um, you know, your story is your story, um, but you have to be willing to tell your story. And, and at times you never know how the world will respond to your story until you tell your story. And I think uh, in this story it is so timely in that oftentimes uh, men in particular um, are not willing to um, unpack the predicaments from their past and address the things as we move forward. So. Uh, in That In Itself, it's it's a great read on the book. Um, and I, I was reading a particular passage, Andrew, from the book. Um, yep. and, and you said, um, writing this book made me deal with my disappointment. Um, and, and it lays so heavy on me. Why do I hate disappointment so much that it can enrage me and cripple me at the same time? L- let's unpack that, if you will. Talk to us a little bit about... The genesis for that particular passage and and your overall inspiration specific.
1: Basically, um when I started writing the book and I started had to go deep, um because I realized for it to really work, I had to go really deep. Right. And I had to be honest with myself. Mm-hmm. So I couldn't do half-truths, you no, know, so I just went all the way in. I didn't I didn't spend a lot of time on any one topic right? because my life is so diverse. I've been through so many things at at a short period of time in my life. So that happened because it started out my whole life like with my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Because like I, I detailed in the book when I said disappointment is it, it enrages me. And mm-hmm. it basically I hate when someone said they're gonna do something and don't do it. Right. It, it's 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 one of my greatest pet peeves in life. And I didn't even know it was that way when I was eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. And pretty much when my grandmother promised me that bike, if I passed this, this examination, and then when she told me I promised to comfort to a fool, I didn't understood what that meant coming from my grandmother. Mm-hmm. But then I knew I was disappointed. And that led me to actually start looking out for disappointments because then I started saying, if she could disappoint me that bad, then who wouldn't? Right. So it, I, I was so enraged with a lot of things. Like I had a really bad temper growing up. Um, cause even my same grandmother told me I wouldn't live to see 19 years old. So I proved her wrong with that regard. So there's a lot of things. And that's why the book even came about to be called proven wrong. Cause my entire life, it seemed like I had to be proving somebody wrong Right. from the inception from, I can't remember myself mm-hmm. with my father, my mother, my brothers, it, it seemed like everyone throughout my life has doubted me. Mm-hmm. I've never had, I can't even remember when was the first time someone said, and called me and said, yes, you can do that. You can do this. Right. Maybe my cousin did it,
0: right. but
1: initially he was like, you have to be strong. And I realized that it was a matter of me coming out and actually say it to the world that I'm going to prove everybody wrong that doubted
2: me. And basically that's how it all came together. Right. So, so Andrew, let's, let's unpackage that a little bit more for someone that's listening to what you just articulated in that you've, you've never had anyone to encourage you in a way. How did you personally deal with that in a way that it fueled you to the point where you did prove them wrong? How did that all come to be? It's,
1: it's still a work in progress, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I was talking to a friend of mine that we grew up together. We've known each other since we were like 11, 12 years old, and we were just talking a um, couple days ago. And he said it was so discouraging in high school when you know teachers get upset because we went to school in the 80s, -hmm. and teachers be saying you never amount to anything, right? Right. Yes, and they really they they tear into you. They think it was some form of motivation, but they really. Because you're talking about an 11, 12 year old kid. Mm-hmm. You're telling them you'll never amount to anything. You're just going to be a criminal. You're just going to be robbing people. You know? You're like, and we're talking about it and we're like, man, you know, they really mess us up when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people have gone through that. A lot of people mm-hmm. have, like, your mom, your dad get pissed off at you and then said something like crazy. That's why you're this and that's why you're that. And it angers us. And we talk about it and we said, I grew up so angry as a kid and I was, and maybe it's the grace of God that makes me, that made me not go off the deep end. And because there was no therapy back there, like to say, okay, go speak to somebody and all that. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of kids to this day are going dealing with that in school, in relationships with their parents. They tell them that they're not amount to anything. And you you just just like and an a single mom would say you just like your father. Right, and, right. We've all heard these things. We've mm-hmm. all heard these stories. Mm-hmm. But how it affects the child that's there, you don't really know because you're just throwing words out. But words can really hurt you.
2: Yes, yeah.
1: You know, yeah. So that what made me start thinking deeper into these type of things, though.
2: Yeah, you know the the the, the holy scriptures tells us that. Uh, you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Uh, Exactly. And I find that to be so true, so true that um, the the lasting effect of the words um, that, that, you know, people spoke over our lives in a way that we were conditioned to believe or to think certain things of ourselves, all these limiting beliefs. Um, Ultimately, they were planted that way by someone that, potentially, um, that we looked up to that was an adult or, 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 teacher, like you said, that, that put that first impression on our mind that we could or could not achieve a certain thing, um, based on that word. So, you know, it's, 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 it is a, a powerful thing to think about in terms of, um, watching your words when you speak to a, a, a child. Uh, exactly. In a way, you know, the, the biggest lie that we heard when we was growing up in school was um, sticks and stones may break my bones, That's but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That's <laughs> a lie. That is a lie. <laughs> you know, well, girl, that is a lie because they do. Was hurt. Yes. So, so, um, Andrew, what would you say, you know, was your hardest chapter in this book to write and why?
1: Going to prison was tough.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um because I remember, um, I even said that too. like, right. I didn't know if I would be able to even write that part. And like, I just skipped over certain surfaces of it. Mm-hmm. I didn't go in depth into it because there was such, it was such a dark time. Mm-hmm. Like basically you, you're in a situation where you pretty much, if you allow it, your life can be over mm-hmm. because even there, I remember they they saying to us, um, You know, more than three quarter, you're gonna come right back here. You know, know it all happens. Right. And I'm like, yo. So I said, I'm saying to them, so why you think we got a second chance to come here? What is this second? No, because some of you will never, will never learn. It's just in the blood. You just you're gonna come right back here. And they were saying this to us, like totally breaking us down and everything that comes with it. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was there, I met this this guy. He's from Chicago. He's like a one of them OGs and stuff. And he just started talking to me and I said to him, man, I want no family to come see me. I want nobody. He said, look, he said, look, man, I felt the same way too. When I was here, he said, he's five years in. And he said, I didn't want nobody to come see me, but he said, it gives you a strength hmm. to see family and really close people, bond that you can build and it helps to make a day go by. Right. And I remember him telling me, just do the time, don't let the time do you. And it, it was such a hard time because we we were in a situation where they treat us so bad and we were like nothing. We were, we were just a number to to, mm-hmm. to the COs there. We they woke us about four thirty, five in the morning, had us doing a hundred push-ups right off the bat, then the, it, it was just so, and we we were always on our feet. Mm-hmm. And then the little glimmer of we only had one, we only had like three hours of visiting time on Sundays. Mm-hmm. And if you mess up, you would, you would lose that. And we had one one phone call for the week,
0: mm-hmm.
1: one for fifteen minutes. That was it. And if you mess up, you lose that too. Mm-hmm. So it was just—I see a lot of guys, grown men, bawling at night, like just just holding and bawling and bawling and stuff. I'm like, you know, it's just, it, it was hard. It was hard, and mm-hmm. that part because initially when I was starting to write, I was like, should I even go in? And the guy was like, yeah, you you have to say it. You have to make this this is it's therapy for you. It right, can be therapy,
2: right? right yeah. Yeah.
1: And basically, these are things in this book that I have not wrote, that I've not spoken to anyone about in 20 years. So by me writing this book, it's the first I've actually unpacked this in 20, 25 years. Mm-hmm. I just have to deal with this now.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So, Andrew, as a result of 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 going to prison, um, actually, how, how much time did you end up spending incarcerated?
1: Um, initially my sentence was 30 months mm-hmm. and by me going to the boot camp program because initially I got 37 months
0: mm-hmm.
1: and only based on the federal guidelines and only the judge could have dropped it down but because I was sole custodial parent for my sons
0: mm-hmm.
1: and a lot of things that came into play like I got a lot of those letters written written from the community and everything that I've done and the judge dropped it 30 months so basically I got two and a half years so I did a little less than a year at the, um, the prison facility. And then I came to a halfway house for one year. Mm -hmm. So basically I was in the halfway house, I was regulated too. So if you want to look at it, I was locked up for pretty much like mm, a year and eight months, give and take. Mm -hmm. And then I was on probation for another three years after that. So even time I was on probation, I couldn't really do anything. And I actually broke the rules again, as I say in the book, um, but things I did, I shouldn't have done, but I took chances. But it, it's just one of those things that, you know, I learned from my mistakes, though, man. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some things like not to trust people, especially that's the biggest one. Because I was always so trustworthy in people and t- took people's word for what it says. But I learned the hard way, man. Don't take people for their word. It's, it's right,
2: not, right, it's- right. So, so, Andrew, you, you mentioned you know that that writing this book or writing uh in general was a was a source of um of therapy <laughs> it was therapeutic in a way it was it was pr- probably spiritually enlightening in a way and didn't recognize it um you know how did you did you get any help like unpacking and releasing and dealing with some of that as you as as you was writing or begin to write the book or you just released it and 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 you found your own level of um you know heightened spirituality as a result of it or healing or whatever the case. What was talk to us about that process a little bit for you.
1: Okay, um when the process started like I met with Mr. Kevin Taylor um who is also a pastor and it was hard, like initially it was hard to even talk to him about certain things. So mm-hmm. when I like started to write and he said, okay, let's do this together. So he, we were on the phone, we were on the Zoom together and we are talking. And he said, just be honest, open and honest. That's the only way it's going to work. And I said, I, I've never really done this before. So I said, this is going to be really hard for me because I've always been a very private person. Mm-hmm. And he said... Let, let, let's just talk so he, he, he got me to be very comfortable right so he said basically just talk about your childhood
0: hmm.
1: so i just talk about little things and then he start going a little more into it into it to get my comfort level so i'm he's taking notes and he's recording me and i'm taking notes too and i'm like writing stuff and getting stuff in my head and then the more in-depth it got I got, it got really deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. So at one point, we were talking, and he realized I was getting so deep into it, he just continued and said, Just keep talking. So I started talking about like my life, like when I migrated to the US and my father turned his back on us. Mm-hmm. And then me, I was about to get in trouble. But I lived in Newark, New Jersey, which is everybody called Brick City. Mm-hmm. So it was, it wasn't the most pleasant neighborhood. And my uncle saw that I I was possibly going down the wrong path. And he said, yo, you're going to the military. So while I'm going into these stages in my life and I'm talking about it and trying to release everything and we're writing and we're recording this and taking these notes, these mental notes and everything else. And it's like, I go into a zone. Mm-hmm. And I go into a total zone. And while I'm talking, I'm breaking down. Mm-hmm. I get really emotional about things. I'm like, I can't do this. I can't right. do this. Right. And it, it gets really heavy for me because a lot of people have read the book and they come back and said, man, this is really deep. Mm-hmm. And there's, people have known me for all my life. They said, I didn't know you went through all half of these things. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you did all because I don't really talk about my life. Like, right, I just, right. Well, right. But it it was very deep. And I never thought in a million years I would have written a book like
2: this. Never. Right, right, right. Yeah, but Andrew, I, I think it's, I, you know, again, um, from, a, from a male perspective, and, and particularly amongst um, African-American men um, that are still somewhat trying to move forward and navigate life um, with so much generational trauma, if you will, and and really they, they they are struggling finding the process of coming through that. and so what you shared with us and, and those that are potentially listening, there's so much value in, in what you just delivered in that it is a way to deal with um, some of that um, trauma uh, that you know we often carry throughout different stages and ages of life and, and they're undressed they go unaddressed and they prevent us, you know, from really having this quality of life that we seek and we don't even recognize it. Yep. So that, that that is so important. So Andrew, let's shift a little bit, um, and talk about as a, you know, as an independent, um, self-published, um, author, you know, for those that are considering, you know, publishing their own books and and marketing and promoting, what would you say was the best money you spent as an independent um, publisher?
1: <laughs> wow, the best money I spent um, was probably initially when I met um, Mr. Angelo Ellaby, mm-hmm. in the sense of he believed in me that I could have done this because I didn't even believe. He proved me wrong because I didn't believe I could do this. Mm -hmm. And initially, because I was working with a rapper and that's how I ended up meeting him because I heard of his status. He's he's legendary. Um, He's worked with everybody from DMX to Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston. And it was just, it was just like, I don't know, it was God's send that we teamed up to do, to meet and do this. And I got in the sense of when I initially started to work with this other rapper and and things went another direction, and then when he encouraged me and said, you know what, you should write a book. And I didn't even understood what that even meant or what Mm -hmm. it detailed. And I'm like, man, how do I even go about this? Because I know a lot of people talk about writing a book, and even to this day, a lot of people don't have a clue how to even get started.
2: Right, right.
1: The initial progress of getting it done and meeting these people to get to where I'm at right now and doing this. And to be honest, the fact that I've seen so many people have reached out to me and said, thanks for writing this book. It has helped them. I'm good with that. You know, The Mm -hmm. fact that I can actually help somebody else and they understood. Someone even reached out and said, they no understand how the relationship with their dad because they're of Caribbean descent, but they could never understand why fathers, especially in the Caribbean, and even black fathers on the whole, mm. were so absent or nonchalant mm-hmm. about the relationship with their kids. My father never told me he loved me. Never. Mm. Up to the he never told me he loved me. Mm. You know, a lot of um African American kids, Caribbean kids grow up in that same lifestyle in the sense of their father never showed them any love. You know, you know, it's just, so the fact that I could bring this across to actually, um, show people that you're not alone and you've been through so many other things. It was money well spent that I can bring this message across Mm -hmm. the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm good with that.
2: Yeah. Awesome. That's awesome there. So, um, you know, we'll go along with that as well as is you know, so from a marketing perspective, um, you know, talk to us about you know ways in which um an independent uh first-time published author um could could market their material.
1: Um like me as a promoter, um I've always done the the promotion side in the sense of getting the word out there. Mm. So marketing is, you got to like get with um, the internet mm-hmm. is basically where it, it starts and ends. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get things on the internet, you get things moving, you have someone, a publicist like myself, and he gets me to reach out to different avenues and different angles throughout the world. Um, I've done interviews with, someone in Australia already. Hmm. I've done interviews with someone, with a couple of people in Jamaica. Hmm. Um, a couple, I've, It's just a matter of getting the word out there. You like, right, right. you have to like, put it out there, Get reach out to different publications, hmm. you know, just try to get your word out there. Go on social media, post your stuff. You know, hopefully people will pick it up. People get intrigued to the point where they like something and then, okay, they'll, let, they'll do it. You know, it's just the story of, of um, the Eminem story with Dr. Dre when he found the cassette, mm-hmm. when um, Jimmy Iovine, um, people brought the cassette to him and he saw it. You know, it's just a lot of times it's, it's a matter of timing and luck, but it's persistency. You got to be persistent in everything you do right. and keep pushing. No matter what you do, no matter what people tell you, prove them wrong and just push forward absolutely don't just try doing it over just don't don't stop until you get what you're supposed to get
2: right absolutely absolutely so so what other piece of advice would you give you know to a writer or someone who's who's uh, contemplating or working on their first uh, published book
1: be honest with yourself Mm -hmm. and I'll give them the same advice that my cousin gave me when I was starting the music he asked me he said is this what you really love to do is what you want to do or you just want to do it for whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Because if you don't truly love it in anything you do, you have to really truly love to do it. Because then the downside is that when you don't and it doesn't work out initially how you plan it, then you start really hating people and hating the process and hate everything that goes with it. Mm -hmm. Because you were looking for something else that wasn't really there. Right. So just make sure that you really love to do this because even with me, like I've always been a private, all my life I've been very private, very, right. very private. Now all of a sudden my whole life is on front page now. Right. So I had to be prepared and prepare myself to, you know what, the world's going to know about everything you now. So mm-hmm. you know what, because once you Google me, you now all this comes up. Right. So it's just a matter of like, be true to yourself, be real to yourself. And basically let the chips fall where they may. Mm-hmm. But just know that you gotta understand that there's gonna be good and bad in everything you do.
2: Right, so right. Just be
1: prepared. Just be prepared for everything that comes
2: and have a plan to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's a there's a certain level of liberation, if you will, a certain level of, of freedom of weight being lifted off. As you said. Um, you know, you released it in this book, you put it all out there. Now everyone knows um, and being honest with yourself and just sharing that, sharing the piece of your, your heart um, with people in a way that in itself is, is liberating uh, in a sense. It is though. It is. Mm-hmm. So, you know? so in writing, you know, did, did you, you know, go through a process, um, you know, midway near the end or in entering into this process, um, that you intended this particular book to stand on its own or, or are you having intentions of building the body of, of of work or books that's, that's connecting to this book as well?
1: <laughs> I've heard so many people ask me the same thing mm-hmm. recently. Uh, um, like I said, I never intended to even write a book mm. and because I remember going through the process I said, why anybody want to read about me? Nobody knows about right, me. You right, know. right, right, right. <laughs> I, I said, my cousin should have done a couple People know who he is. You know, he is, he is sold out um, stadiums and all that. I said, nobody knew who I am. Mm-hmm. But after I got a lot of the reviews and people saying how much it has helped them and everything else, and the way I wrote the book, and a lot of people so far told me, yo, you should do a movie. This, this book you can write like a... I'm like I'm not even thinking about any of that stuff right. to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> and, but because of how I how I wrote it, I didn't drag out any one topic mm-hmm. for any long periods of time. Yeah, like the instead of me doing promotion, I never really include the in depth of how the promotion game went when I was traveling to Europe and Africa doing like tour promotions and everything else mm-hmm. and being a tour manager. I never got in-depth in a lot of these things. So it's open that it's there that I could do another book mm-hmm. because I'd, I'd never told about every single thing, even the military. Um, there were so many things that happened while I was on the ship. Mm-hmm. Because just imagine I'm on an aircraft carrier at age 19, 20
0: mm-hmm. in
1: the middle of the Persian Gulf.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a lot of things that happened out there. And, and and I just spoke about like two incidents, right? You know, because again, while I was talking about it, it got really heavy and really deep, mm-hmm. and I couldn't really go into a lot of things like the first time. So now I have a comfort level. Right. I can probably deeper into other things in my life per mm-hmm. se. Mm-hmm. You know, because like even the relationships, um, I'm happily married now, and. I've had past relationship, and while I was writing it, I was debating how my wife would take it. Like in the past relationship, really, she knows about my past, mm-hmm. but to relive this again,
0: right? And right.
1: I, I there, there, there's one famous person who's actually she's in the limelight right now again. Mm-hmm. That we went down for a couple of years, and I talk about that in the book. And these things are something like it was just a tiring of it. I didn't plan it like this. It just happened this way. Mm-hmm. But there's so many things that's available to me that I could write another book and I could get more in-depth into things. Just like when Obama did Dreams of My Father and The Audacity of Hope. Mm-hmm. There, there There's so many things I could go into more. But hopefully this, this work can actually put me in a position where I can have that option to do that.
2: Right. You Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So then I'll get to do that then.
2: So, so Andrew, what, what does, you know, the remaining of, you know, 2023 look for, look like for you and, and then moving into 2024?
1: I'm going to, I'm going to promote this book Mm -hmm. as much as I possibly can. Hopefully um, it really reaches a lot of people right now. It's actually, it's actually number one in the Caribbean and Latin American literature Mm -hmm. in new releases on Amazon, which was totally surprising to me. Mm -hmm. And the reviews I've gotten is so like, wow. So I'm looking forward to doing like, um, some form of a book tour to promote this for Mm -hmm. 2023 Mm -hmm. and hopefully it goes really well. So then if it goes really well, then I can look forward to 2024 with some more work
2: yeah absolutely absolutely so we certainly be looking out for you (laughs) so Andrew listen uh, you know thanks once again uh, for for joining us on today Um, but before you go um, how can people purchase your book uh, and connect with some of the things you're doing either online or through social media
1: yeah they can the book is available ready available on amazon.com proven wrong it's the moment you pull it up, it, it pops up. Um, you can find me on all social media handles, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and everything is Drew Minot D-R-E-W-M-I-N-O-T-T. And I have a website, anchorminer.com, anchorandminer.com. And a detail about um, my bio, the history, all the concerts I've done, all the people I've worked with. Um, the avenues I went through to get to where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. I detail all that on my website and on my social media handles, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can find me there. You can even Google me and it comes up too. So Mm -hmm. at this point, um, I'm just thankful for all the support and everything else that I've been getting. I really appreciate all that. And I thank God for this.
2: Absolutely, Andrew. That's awesome. Two things I would say, um, before we leave is that um, for those who um, may be rest, still wrestling with their story um, and is that um, it, it It all works together some kind of way for your good and, and and that's not always an easy thing when we're going through the process right? when we're going through when you perhaps sitting in that prison cell thinking to yourself um How can anything good come of this right but some kind of way um, if we hang around long enough we'll find out that it all kind of works out for our good the good the bad the right the wrong and the ugly some kind of way um, it it, it has the capacity to work out um, for our good and that um, you know as I conclude I always say that it doesn't matter how you start. It's how you finish. This
1: is true. This is absolutely true. Because at some point, I feel like giving up. Mm-hmm. Like, even when I was locked, I was like, man, my life is over. Mm-hmm. I didn't even talk about that in the book. I said, my life is over. Now I'm done. I'm, I just give up. I don't, I don't care about anything anymore. And I, I, I reached that point, that point where it's, it's over. Mm-hmm. And I came out on the other end. You know, it's just... You know, it's one of those things because I, I live my life my kid, my children, and mm. Mm. that's one of the things in the book that I talk about, about me being a single father and raising my sons. Mm. Because, with all due respect, no woman can teach a boy how to become a man. Right. You can right. raise a son, yes, you can, mm. but teach him how to become a man is mm. not possible. Right. He has to get it from another male figure in his life, whichever way that comes. Or, but these are things that keeps me going and motivates me to do what I need to do.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome, my friend. Listen, uh, Andrew, again, thank you once again, sir, for joining us today. I salute you, truly. I do. It has certainly been a pleasure. And please come back and check on us sometime.
1: I appreciate that, man. Definitely. I would love to do that. Definitely.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Take care. We certainly hope that you enjoyed today's episode. So make sure to join our Facebook group, Out Front with Vince Noble. And don't forget to comment, rate, share, and subscribe on the Apple Podcast or wherever you listen to download your podcast. Until next time, remember, you still get to write your own life story.